Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. If you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl and we have been married for 28 years. We have eight kids, ages 13 to 26, five boys and three girls. And we also have four grandkids. We've been homeschooling for over 22 years. We've graduated five so far and we have three still at home. If you haven't connected with me yet on Facebook or Instagram, you can find me um, at, on Facebook at Dorenda Wilson and on Instagram at Dorenda Lee Wilson and also at my blog, dorendawilson.com. <laughs> I have a couple of books. Uh, One is published. The other is coming out January 22nd. If you haven't checked out The Unhurried Homeschooler, you can find it on Amazon. It is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, sharing my heart for a simple homeschool journey that has worked really well for our family and just been a blessing. And I hope you'll go and check it out if you haven't read it yet. Uh, January 22nd, Grace for Let me start over. I really do know the title to my own book. (laughs) It's called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a 31 Days in God's Word. And it is a devotional specifically geared towards moms. It's mom-size devotionals that are hopefully doable for moms, but also allow them to really grow in God's Word. My frustration with devotionals over the years has been they either skim the surface or it's a deep Bible study that I can't keep up with because I had eight children running around at home. So I decided since I couldn't find it, I would write it. Isn't that what authors do? (laughs) So I wrote this book and it's 31 days. So it's something you can maybe go through a couple three times a year if you want to. So I hope you'll check that out on Amazon January 22nd. Well, today I'm going to talk about why waiting on God is never a waste of time. Are you waiting on God for anything? A job, better relationships, a friend, provision, direction? It seems as though waiting is a big part of our lives, isn't it? And it's not easy. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You can tell just even in that verse that it takes courage to be waiting on the Lord. Today, we're gonna talk about waiting on the Lord and what waiting well looks like and what God could possibly be doing as we are waiting on him. I could attest to the fact that I have spent a lot of time waiting on God over the years for so many things along the way. Sometimes I've waited well and sometimes I have not. But it's in these times of waiting that God does some of his greatest and deepest work. Have you experienced that? Little over 13 years ago, our youngest child was born with a major heart defect that we didn't know he had before he was born. We didn't discover it until afterwards. It didn't show up on ultrasounds for some reason, even though it was an incredibly major heart defect. So it was a real huge surprise for us. And it needed to be corrected with a six hour open heart surgery when he was three days old. This was followed by complications that actually stumped the doctors. You know, I was watching Silas lay in that isolate with dozens of tubes coming out of him. And I was unable to hold him for weeks. I got to hold him for the first 
couple of days, one or two days, he had a few tubes coming out of him. But once he had his surgery, he was in that isolate for three weeks before I could even just lay him across my lap. And, and during those weeks, um, and it actually went beyond that a little bit before we were able to get to the problem, but there were all these complications that were going on that the doctors weren't understanding. And I remember crying out to the Lord and just saying, Lord, what are you wanting in this? I don't understand this. And I remember him saying to me, I just felt compelled that I was supposed to completely hand Silas back to him and tell God out loud that he could take him if he wanted to. And so I did that. And it was the probably one of the hardest things I have ever had to do. And it was interesting because once I walked that out in obedience to the Lord, immediately the Holy Spirit would speak to my heart and say, no, you're not gonna lose him, but you're going to have to be patient and you're going to have to trust me. Now, I didn't understand what in the world God would be doing in all of this. It seemed painful. It seemed sometimes like pure torture, certainly a roller coaster ride. And yet, I had to believe that God was doing something in all of it. And every now and then I would pray and ask God, could you just give me just a glimpse of what you might be doing in all of this? And he was so faithful to bring a testimony from someone we didn't know who was praying for Silas and just things like that along the way that showed me that God really was in control of what was going on. As we walked that journey out, one of the things that I realized was that I had a choice in how I could respond to what God had laid in front of me. The first thing I could do is I could resist, which is human nature. I could fight God inwardly and outwardly. The second thing I could do was resign. I could resign myself to these circumstances I had been dealt but my heart would in essence be bitter and resentful. Outwardly, it might look like obedience, but inwardly I was actually, I would really actually be in rebellion to God. And the third choice was to embrace this fully 100%. I'm sure that I didn't do it perfectly, I know I didn't, but that's the choice that I made. By embracing it, I, I mean fully and completely taking this difficult time and unabashedly trusting God, who I believed was good and sovereign and who would work everything out for my good and his glory, like he says in his word. I could embrace the grace that was mine to walk through this fire. I could walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, I honestly believe that I could have responded to in any of these three ways, and I don't know that it would have changed Silas's outcome, but it would have been such a loss for my heart and for my relationship with God and for my faith. Because while we're waiting, it feels as though God is doing nothing. I have learned that often that is when God is actually doing the most you know, it's a work that is so deep and so holy that it sometimes can't be co comprehended and is often left unnoticed. It is a work that's done in the secret places. 
it brings healing to the areas of our hearts that we never knew needed that healing. And it is an eternal work. And I think that's one of the things that the Lord whispered to my heart through all of it. He said, I am doing something that you cannot see. Someday I'll reveal it to you, like in full. When I get to heaven, I'm gonna get to see the full scope of what he was doing. But in the meantime, I had to trust that not only was he sovereign over my life, that nothing happened to me that didn't pass through his loving hands first, but also believed that he was good. So if I've got this sovereign God who is also very, very good and loves me beyond measure and would never do anything except for my good and his glory, that's where I need to be. That's what I can do in that time of waiting. So learning to wait well is not only a discipline in patience, but more importantly, a discipline in real faith. It's our chance to to put our feet to the fire. It's our chance to gain that traction of real faith and walk that out. During this time, I remember God brought a poem to my mind that someone had read a while back. In fact, he had awakened me during the night with the thought of this poem and I went searching high and low for it. And at that point in time, there wasn't a ton of internet type things available so I couldn't just Google it and figure it out. I had to actually go back and find a recording or something that I had. I couldn't, I can't remember what it was. I had to go and hunt it down and I prayed, God, please help me to find this thing that I I kind of know what it is, but I feel like you're compelling me to find it. So I went looking and sure enough, God brought me across the recording of it. So I sat down and listened to this recording and I wrote it all out. Now you can Google it and find it on the internet, but it was good for me to write the whole thing out. I think I think that was God's intention in all of it. And I'm gonna share it with you today. It's called Wait and it's by Russell Kelfer. Desperately, helplessly, longingly I cried. Quietly, patiently, lovingly God replied. I pled and I wept for a clue to my fate. And the master so gently said, child, you must wait. Wait? You say, wait, my indignant reply. Lord, I need answers. I need to know why. Is your hand shortened or have you not heard? By faith, I have asked and I'm claiming your word. My future and all to which I can relate hangs in the balance and you tell me, wait? I'm needing a yes, a go-ahead sign, or even a no to which I can resign. And Lord, I've been asking, and this is my cry. I'm weary of asking. I need a reply. Then softly, quietly, I learned of my fate. As my master replied once again, you must wait. So I slumped in my chair, defeated and taught and grumbled to God, so I'm waiting for what? He seemed then to kneel, and his eyes wept with mine, and he tenderly said, I could give you a sign. I could shake the heavens and darken the sun. I could raise the dead and cause mountains to run. All you seek, I could give, and pleased you would be. You would have what you want, but you wouldn't know me. You'd not know the depth of my love for each saint. You'd not know the power that I give to the faint. 
You'd not learn to see through the clouds of despair. You'd not learn to trust just by knowing I'm there. You'd not know the joy of resting in me when darkness and silence were all you could see. You'd never experience that fullness of love as the peace of my spirit descends like a dove. You'd know that I give and I save for a start, but you'd not know the depth of the beat of my heart. The glow of my comfort late into the night, the faith that I give when you walk without sight. The depth that's beyond getting just what you asked of an infinite God who makes what you have last. You'd never know should your pain quickly flee, what it means that my grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, your dreams for your loved ones, your loved ones overnight would come true, but oh, the loss if I lost what I'm doing in you. So be silent, my child, and in time you will see that the greatest of gifts is to get to know me. And though oft may my answers seem terribly late, my most precious answer of all is still wait. Isn't that beautiful? Think about the things that you're waiting on God for right now and think about the ways that he might be working in your life through this time. We can be waiting on God, but not waiting well. So what does waiting well even look like? I believe waiting well is waiting in trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I remember thinking about Silas and all that was going on with him and how far beyond my comprehension this whole situation really was. God was showing me through this that it didn't matter all of these details that were out of my control. What he showed me was that he had Silas in the palm of his hand, tending to every detail, every machine that was hooked up to Silas, every obstacle Silas faced, both known and unknown. Everything was being handled and cared for by God himself. He was telling me I could actually relax in this situation and I could actually be at peace in the midst of all of this. And you know, so much of the time, that really was the case. I'm gonna finish that story because I think you need to know what ultimately happened. I held Silas, like I mentioned, three weeks afterwards across my lap as drainage tubes were coming out of him and Um, they couldn't understand why he kept filling up with fluid. He was losing over half his body weight in fluid every day. And he only, he weighed six pounds, five ounces at birth. So there was this, you know, over three pounds of fluid coming off of him daily and nobody knew where it was coming from. They jumped around, danced around on several ideas, some of which were absolutely frightening and terrifying. But in the end, this was what happened. You know, I I told you before, I kept praying and God kept saying, you just, you're going to have to trust me and you're gonna have to wait. So we did. One day, one of the top surgeons 
at this hospital, it was a heart hospital, came into the room and said to me, well, we need to figure out what's going on with Silas. We think that he may have a thoracic duct leak. And so we're gonna do surgery on him tomorrow and we're gonna try to find that leak. Now it's like finding a needle in a haystack and we have never done a surgery before uh, like this on such a small baby. But I'm gonna get on the internet and look for information and I'm gonna call in my colleague from vacation who will assist me and I'll see you in the morning for surgery. That was the extent of his speech. There wasn't a lot of comfort there, was there? <laughs> but the interesting thing was at that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit said, this is it. This is the moment that you've been waiting for. This is the moment when God is gonna do something great. And none of these people here in this hospital are going to get credit for it because it's beyond them. It was clearly beyond them. And you know, I'm not saying that my stomach wasn't completely upset until you know, the surgery was over and I knew that they had found it and all these different things. What was happening was his lung was beginning to collapse from all the, the drainage. And so they were feeling like they needed to take care of it. So they would go in through his rib, they would find the thoracic duct, they would ligate it, and his body would make other channels to move that, uh, you know, the fluid in his body to go. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, a main freeway versus a bunch of little side roads. His body would uh, make the adjustment and use side roads instead of that main thing. And they also were gonna, you know, pleurodes his lungs. So here's this little guy going back into surgery again under all of these circumstances. And yet in my heart, there was peace. I was like, God, this is the moment. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. And one of the nurses was standing there when this doctor said all these things to me. And she looked at me after he left and she said, that was not one of his better speeches. <laughs> and I looked at her and fortunately she was a Christian. So I, I just looked at her and said, you know what? It doesn't matter. I am so thankful God has this. And several nurses came up to me and were trying to give me comfort. And I said, you know what? It, it's okay. My hope isn't in all of you. You're wonderful and I love you and you've done a wonderful job, but this is about God. And so I had an opportunity to share that testimony with these nurses. And so we don't know in our situations and in our circumstances of waiting where God is gonna wanna use us to testify to his faithfulness. It's when we're in those places that nobody can understand why we have peace, that we have a chance to speak and people listen to what we have to say. And it's a chance to share the faithfulness of God and to share our faith with others. So waiting on God and waiting well has to do with waiting in trust, like I just mentioned, and also waiting in faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's believing that God is good all the time, even if we're not feeling it. You know, as women, we often rely pretty heavily on our emotions and, you know, that can be, a, emotions can be a great thing, but they can also be faulty. So we need to be careful that we are basing our actions and our responses on faith. We can take our emotions to the Lord. They're not bad. I, I really believe that God gives them to us for a reason. We're to take those emotions as a warning flag. Sometimes they're a warning that 
we need to give this thing back over to the Lord. Sometimes they're a warning that uh, we need to do something differently. You know, it can be a lot of different things, but the, it's like a, da- like a light on the dashboard of your car. It turns on and you go, oh, gosh, check engine light. We need to check things out. So you get under the hood or have a mechanic get under the hood and check it out. Sometimes it's just, oh, well, you just need a little more oil or this, you know, you need a spark plug. It's a, t- it's a simple fix. Other times there's some serious stuff going on under there that needs to be dealt with. And it's the same thing with emotions. They give us a warning light that say, hmm, I need to pay attention to this, Lord. So we take it to the Lord and we say, Lord, what is it, what is it that's going on here and we ask him for wisdom and he grounds us and I love that. I love that he's so faithful in doing that. So we're believing that God is good all the time even when we're not feeling it. God honors this kind of waiting and faith and trust. He knows it's not easy but he also promised to give us everything that we need to do whatever he's called us to. One of the best things I've learned to do, and I often have to remind myself of this, is to look for his presence, not his absence. I remember a pastor said that to uh, once in a sermon. I literally, it was like 27 years ago, and I never forgot it. And I've remembered it frequently over the years, and it's been so helpful if we will stop and just look for his presence. Where is he working? Where can we see his hand at work? And we focus on that. And that gives us faith to believe for the things that we cannot see. Trust him, moms, as you wait on him. Trust him with your marriage, with your children, with your wayward child, with your homeschooling, your friendships, our finances, our homes, our extended family. We can trust him as we wait on him. I would like you to listen to a few verses here as I close things up. That will be, I think will be an encouragement to you. So hear the word of the Lord to you today from Isaiah 40 verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Micah 7, 7 says, As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God will certainly hear me. Hosea 12, 6 but you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. And finally, the verse that I started out with, which is Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for the privilege God, it really is a privilege to be waiting on you, God. It's a place where our faith gains, um, it, it grows, Lord. It gets grounded, Father God, and it becomes so real. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be faithful in trusting you, God. Uh, in the New Testament, I remember the story of Jesus and a man who came to him and asked for healing for his daughter. And he said, I'm willing to do it if, if you believe. And he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What he was saying was, 
he he did believe, he wanted to believe, but he felt like he could believe more and he needed help with that. And Lord, you promised you would give that to us, Lord. You're not gonna leave us without giving us everything we knew we need to walk faithfully with you as we wait on you. God, we thank you for what you're teaching us. We thank you for the ways that you meet us in our needs, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you are trustworthy. God, show us where you're working. Give us eyes to see so that our faith can grow and we can trust you for the things we cannot see. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.